Um, just so apropos of nothing, did you know that Netflix and chill doesn't mean actually just watching Netflix? Yes, it means... F- Welcome back to My Boyfriend is a Podcast. I'm your co-host Charles and I'm with my co-host Nick. Hey, how's it going everyone? We were uh, discussing when to record this next episode and we just said, fuck it, let's just record it right now, why not? And for that reason, I was in a really happy mood when I watched these episodes. So my question is, were these episodes kind of good or was I just in a happy mood? Uh, you're in a happy mood. These episodes sucked. <laughs> the, first one was, um, the first one was passable and the second one was... Really awful. Oh, fuck. All right. Episode 15, Homecoming. We have, of course, skipped over the um, Global's report, which is just a clip episode, and gone straight on to the next proper episode, and we still plan on doing something with that later on. Yeah, we won't, though. <laughs> episode 15, Homecoming. We begin with the narrator telling us that the Space Fortress is back on Earth after months of a voyage back from Pluto, even though he's I thought it was... still harping on about it being a planet because he's one of those people. And also, I thought it was like two years. Doesn't he say two years or something? Or am I making two years up? Uh, at one point later in this episode, Rick says it's a year, but I think it's, I don't know, it's one or two years. All right. It's around that. Uh, on the flight deck of the uh, ship, the captain and Lisa take off for a secret mission to Alaska that nobody else knows about because it is secret, so secret, the most secret. This is the weirdest thing ever. They just, the narrator just casually tells us that the United Earth Government HQ is in a secret base in the Alaskan wilderness. Mm. Uh, it seems incredibly <laughs> impractical to put the centre of all Earth Government in a secret location. Well, we will, we will get to that. Um, there's a great piece of animation, which, of course, visually describing something that happens in an audio podcast, always my favourite bit, but it's like some Hanna-Barbera. Hey, it's good enough for the show, for the narrator to explain the whole plot. <laughs> there's some Hanna-Barbera looping animation, like Fred Flintstone running around the house. Like, the, the, the flight deck is uneven. It rises up and down, and it's just like a small segment that they're repeating over and over and over. It makes it look like a Flintstones cartoon. Uh, you just know I'm going to put in... all right on the bridge the bridge crew lament that they wish that they were going to alaska claudia informs them that alaska is cold and not warm where it is right now there's suddenly like a knocking noise a bang and in a callback to the very first episode we meet substitute (laughs) teacher global he comes onto the bridge and he bangs his head just like global did at the start he's a real hard ass and he isn't going to skip rules and he's just going to show these stupid girls some discipline and of course he tries to light up a big fat blunt but the bridge crew remind him that there's no smoking and he says i wasn't going to light it i was just holding it that's Substitute. a beautiful callback a beautiful callback to like what episode literally episode one literally like episode one it. i think yeah substitute uh, teacher global um outside the ship the civilians are just partying hard and i want you to picture this there's like a party on the deck of the ship and then there's a raised platform on that platform in the middle of nowhere, like it's a Skywalker's match from World Championship Wrestling. The mayor is just there. And then there's some dude just climbing up, talking to the mayor. 
It makes yes, it. it I didn't really sense. notice, but you're right. There was just a lot of strange elevated platforms for no reason at the party. It is. It is. It is very strange. Um, down in the party, the three spies are there drinking punch, getting charged up on moonshine, and one of them says, "Why aren't you making noises like the rest? Yay, we're home again! Yay!" No, pretend it's fun. <laughs> he actually think he says he says yep. that. That's right. Oh, it's so good. It's very um, odd. I've been trying to think of a gag for that. And I just couldn't think of one, so sorry, everyone. <laughs> um, Claudia is walking around the ship, and uh, she enters Roy's room because, as the narrator tells him, tells them, they are now engaged, or Although have always they've been, been engaged. engaged the whole time. They just didn't tell us until now, which fine, okay, fine. That's, that's wrong. That's wrong with that. storytelling, but that's fine. This is clearly a show that suddenly has to fill in some more time. Um, so she walks into Roy's room, and if you freeze-framed here like I did, just saying, you'll see an actual naked girl on the wall of Roy's apartment. Yeah, like like drawn nipples and everything, which yep, is like, oh, okay. Uh, once again, we have the consequences of adapting a show designed for, like, 16, 17-year-olds in Japan to 12-year-old boys in America. Uh, exactly. And more on that, uh, she sees that Roy's sleeping, so she t- sighs and turns around. The camera zooms in on her butt, and Roy grabs her butt, and then they bow chicka bow wow, you know it, yeah. oh yeah. Yeah, there's, there's like three frames of her clearly being pulled down to the bed. It's uh, subtle as an arrow. Oh yeah. Uh, meanwhile, on the other part of the ship, which is not the same part as before, Rick Hunter, the old Dickie <clears> H, <throat> is going to fly Minmay back to her parents. Minmay has to fight her way through a whole bunch of uh, her fans, her Min Maniacs, the oh Minsane Clown Posse, nice. if you will. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Jesus, that's good. <laughs> I know. I was like, if I could think of a third one, it'd be even better, but I couldn't. No, no. Both of them. One, one would have been perfect, but two of them is, is amazing. <laughs> um, uh, oh, my wait. God, this line. This line when she's in the car and they go, oh, there's a lot of crowds. And she goes... I suppose these mobs are part of the price one must pay for fame. <laughs> and I'm like, holy shit, are we watching Orin High School Host Club? Since when did she turn into a fucking anime princess? Jeeves, can you bring the car around the other way? No, the, and then there's they, the other Mercedes. Yeah. <laughs> and then they immediately smash cut to Rick and he thinks, I wonder if she's changed much. <laughs> oh, God, like, yeah. Yeah, great editing there. Subtle. If you like Rick moping, this episode has got you covered. Um... So this, and the uh, next one, and the next one, well, and the next yeah, one. And... They've, <laughs> they've all got you covered, haven't they? Um, uh, one of Minmay's managers comes in and gives Rick lip, and Rick gets mad, and so they decide to take off. So this is the plane that she won. So this she is the plane fly. that she won, yes, but she can't fly. Minmay says, oh, it's been a long time. And then Rick says aloud, I forgot about, I, f- I forgot how I felt for her. He literally narrates out loud. Yep. It's like that, like that gag from Archer, whatever he's driving around, going. It was a dark and stormy night, <laughs> <laughs> and this is like somebody in the car listening to him talk. I thought it was unfair for Mother to blame me for the drop going tits up. After all, she was supposed to be helping me find Woodhouse's killer, but so far she's done nothing. Right? Hey, I said right. Oh Jesus! I thought I was talking to a tramp or a dog or, man, this Dexedrine really does have an edge. Um, the captain and Lisa arrive at the top se- secret Alaskan base, Metal Gear. That's all that happens. They just, the narrator just says the plane lands. Yeah, and they it's- don't show us the Alaskan wilderness, which is not a metaphor for your pubes, you filthy <laughs> animal. <laughs> um, Rick just starts doing loop-to-loops in his plane. Ben and Max appear to let us know that Ben and Max are around. And then-, and then they say it's a date, and 
That's and it. And they go, oh, I guess it is a date. And it's like, yeah, I personally, when I'm 14 hours on a 747, not really a date experience. Nah, exactly. And this is already, if you're seeing some sort of a uh, a flow to this episode, is in a bunch of small vignettes that mean nothing to one another. This is what this episode is. Uh, yeah. As you said, uh, Minmay says, Max and Ben are silly, but this sort of does feel like a date. And then she says she's doing TV, a play, and a movie. Rick goes, where'd you get the energy? And he turns around and Minmay is asleep. Yeah, this is a good date. It's like, yeah, chicken or beef. She's asleep. All my dates go like this. Oh, I'm Rick Hunter. Hey, I told you about that Tinder date in confidence, goddammit. Oh, I'm sorry. In top, in the top secret Alaska base, at this point, I'm bored out of my mind in this episode. I, I, I remember that I'm bored right now because my notes say the Lisa and Captain... Lisa and the captain are breaching the geofront in a super elevator. <laughs> yeah, no, um, there was definitely a lot of uh, Neo and Genesis like stuff in this episode, which I'll oh, get yeah. to later. Oh yeah, but yeah, they have to go down a big shaft. A bit. Oh, that's a down the goal, shaft the goes shaft. down another six miles, if you know what I mean. <laughs> He's the <laughs> the shit. <laughs> Sorry, I can't even laugh. Sorry. <laughs> you check your mouth. I'm just talking about the shaft. <laughs> I was watching this scene and it's just like, oh my god, there's there's so much material here. It's just shaft jokes for the next 15 minutes. <laughs> oh dear. Uh, the captain mentions that they have a super secret weapon, if you will, a weapon to fight Metal Gear in the Alaskan base. Lisa says that they dead- fight the angels. Oh f- fuck. No, no, it's okay. We're deliberately mixing our animes together. <laughs> our animes. Metal Gear is the most anime. Um, Lisa said that her dad would come down here, and the captain reveals that her dad designed the weapon. Oh, yeah, and the weapon uses the elevator shaft as the shaft. main barrel, which um, doesn't seem like it's in compliance with elevator safety standards, but sure. Well, well this is the... This is the, not the... Uh, this is... Um, Wait, wait for it, wait for it, I got it. This is not the only time that Lisa's going to get in trouble with a long elongated tube that fires guns. Are you there? Hello? Yeah, I'm, I'm there. I'm there. The captain tries to light his pipe and a robo-voice tells him he can't do it. Robo-political correctness gone mad. Yeah, this was weird. It's like, okay, the first callback to this joke in this episode was funny because we hadn't seen it since episode one. It's been two minutes since you made this joke, guys. You and can't then you make, make it yeah. again. And like, this is the thing, and this is an excellent filmmaking point, is like you do it once to let you know that that was a joke, you do it twice, and then you've got to do it a third time, right? But they just do it twice for no reason. So we should make a joke about shafts now, because Shots. then we're doing it. <laughs> exactly. Uh, so as you spoiled, you dumb jerk, Global and Lisa meet Sele inside the top secret vote, uh, vault. I didn't give it anything away. I just said there were Evangelion themes, and being in an underground base with a huge elevator shaft at an angle is already Evangelion. Yeah, yeah. so it's Sele. They're sitting in front of giant <laughs> screens, and the screens change, and they talk to one another. It was really dumb because, like, so they've got these big screens that are at, like, a 10-degree angle from vertical so that they literally <laughs> look down on you. And it's like, yep. so you have to go to the HQ in, in a secret location... And then they don't even meet you in person. And they then instead... they just Skype in from somewhere else. It's I like, bet guys. they're Skyping in from literally the room next door as well. <laughs> yeah. And it just has a sign up that just, please do not come in, we're recording. I mean, we're having a meeting. <laughs> Pay no mind to the Skype call behind the curtain. <laughs> um, Lisa says that it's uh, 12 and a half months ago. And, I, oh no, I just put a note here that says that Lisa says it was 12 and a half months. So you are correct that it is a year and a bit, I guess. Oh, we've skipped over all of my jokes about shafts. Shaft! 
what what jokes about shafts? Hit me, hit me. Okay, okay. So we're literally doing the thing we said we'd do where we call back to the shafts. Oh, yeah. So Lisa has a line where she says, I was never allowed to come down the main shaft, and now I understand why. <laughs> and all I could think of Oh, my God, is that, that actually a line? Is that actually That is a 100% percent word for word the line. And all I could think of was that onion... Was it the Onion or College Humor who did this song called God's Loophole about anal sex? Oh, God damn it. Oh, my God. Okay. Okay. Also, Midmay flies back to Japan and uh, the narrator says it's an island, but Japan is an archipelago, just for the record. Yeah, the council guys too. So they're a council, they're all old white dudes, and then one of them is Lisa's dad, who's in the military, so it's a pretty grim future for Earth that we're ruled by a military council. Oh, God, yeah, exactly, (laughs) far out. Um, uh, It's like, yeah, it's, it's, yeah. And they're all, yeah, all straight white dudes. And also, does does it drop in the fact that he's her dad out of nowhere? It's just like, by the way, dad. No, 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 we knew her dad was in, like, a high-ranking military official, but we didn't know he was on the council until okay. So that's not really like a, oh, it turns out that Roy Fokker Known womanizer for the last <laughs> fifteen episodes is engaged. Yes, yeah, that's 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 true. Uh, so not only is he hitting on children, he's also hitting on children while being engaged. Oh, of course, yeah, the, the dog. He's dogging. He's a real dog. He's dogging. He's a dog. Uh, Rick and Minmay land in Yokohama. Minmay says nothing smells as good as Yokohama. Minmay, a fascist, is in love with public monuments and gets mad when Rick doesn't worship the industrial achievements of Japan. Charles, Charles Shishu. He's like, here are some architecture facts on our date. Why aren't you impressed? <laughs> this was the tallest building in Japan at one point, wasn't it? Is that... If, what, yeah. And then Rick's... Yeah, something like that. She even says some numbers. I don't know. I, much like Rick, immediately zoned out and went, cool, Minmay. That's great. Uh, Rick says... So Minmay's like, oh, this is where the... I can't believe it that the shop is still here. Oh, I can't believe the cafe's still here. And Rick says, you haven't been gone that long, despite the fact earlier in the episode he was worried that she'd been gone a long time. She's been gone for a year, to be fair. I don't really know why she thinks the place has been loved. And he says that to her repeatedly, and she just ignores him. Uh, so uh, they turn up to Minmay's parents' restaurant, and there's like a big happy reunion. Minmay's mother is acting like she's seen a ghost. She says, it's my darling girl. I thought you'd been taken from us. And Minmay responds, I was, but then they brought me back, which I thought was really great. Minmay not, not getting where she's coming from. Yeah, she died. She went to the afterlife and they rejected her and brought her back to life because fuck that. (laughs) No more room in hell. (laughs) Just midmate clawing her way out of hell. (laughs) I live again. Uh, Back in Alaska, of course, Sile doesn't believe that Lisa's doesn't believe Lisa's report because, of course, they're old white men. Lisa gets mad. They don't listen to him. The captain says that Sile is up to no good. Well, I mean, obviously. They do the Japan losing World War II thing where they're like, oh, you've massively over, overestimated the strength of the enemy. And it's like, ah, oh, they're an interstellar spacefaring race. <laughs> yeah, exactly. They literally can travel faster than the speed of light. Can we? Not really. Yeah. Uh, Minmei's parents refuse to allow Minmei to return to the ship. Minmei has another great line where Minmei's dad goes, family comes first. And Minmei yells, I want to be a movie star. It's great. It's very good. <laughs> yeah, it's very stupid. Um, Minmay says she can't turn her back on all her little Min Maniacs and the Minsane Clown Posse, but then someone comes down the, sca- the stairs, and who knew it's Minmay's crushingly handsome pacifist cousin, Lynn Kyle. Now, the cousin thing is going to get weird. Now, you know what? I'm going to give you all an out. Yep. If you've been watching the show until this point and you haven't really been enjoying it, 
stop now. Because <laughs> if you thought Min Mei was a bad character, Kyle will make you want to punch out your monitor and then yourself. Like, and then everyone involved in this show because holy crap, Kyle is the worst character of all time. He's like, he's like the perfect... If you're a douche military industrialist, this is the kind of straw man character you'd create to make a point about pacifists being weenies with tiny penises. Yeah, so you know how at the start of the show, Rick was shown to be a childish pacifist. (laughs) This character is, among many other stupid ham-fisted things, trying to show, once again, that, you know, pacifism is bad because he's like, huh, look, if if Rick hadn't gone through all this, he'd be like this guy. Except... They just use it to reflect everything about Rick in a way that is so obvious, so ham-fisted, and also incredibly racist. She's Lynn Minmay and he's Lynn Kyle. Is that like a family name first kind of deal? Yeah, which is the same in both China and Japan. Ah, uh, sure. I should know that. Um, straight away... Well, that's for the benefit of our audience, Charles. You knew that. We're just explaining. I, I, I haven't watched tons and tons of Japanese pro wrestling. What are you talking about? Okada! Uh, straight away, Lynn Kyle op- uh, owns Rick with some pacifist bullshit. What's so good about the army, hey? He's just like a total dick about it, and Rick gets all frumpy about it, and it's just like, oh, fuck. It's fun. It's fine now. Like, at the- in this episode, it's fine when he's owning Rick with his pacifism is good stuff, but the next episode, it gets kind of tiresome. It just gets dumb. Well, it just gets worse and worse and worse, but it gets pretty bad. It gets pretty bad this episode. Just not the pacifism stuff, just the whole, well, you know what? Let's get it out of the way now. Uh, Lin Min May 100% wants to fuck a cousin. Oh, this is, this is without a doubt. This is not even, this is, this is just, this is fact. This is not paratextual. Yeah, this, this is, is not real. like me taking the piss or exaggerating, like, we'll quote some lines when we get up we, to it. Anyway, what are we up to? We're up uh, to, in Alaska, Sile decide that Lisa is in fact telling the truth, but they can't have peace talks. Sile thinks they have the upper hand with their superpowered weapon. Sile say that all the civilians yep. are legally dead like Batman and can't bring them back. That yeah, that's right. They ba- oh, but we used the uh, the disappearance of Macross for political gain in that we said that our the terrorists we didn't like did it. So you're all legally dead, and we refuse to have you back because we'd lose face because we were you know exploiting this horrible tragedy for political gain. This lol. is this is when I was a kid. I was like, this is really stupid. No government would do this, and now I'm just like, damn, <laughs> damn. This is the most on point <laughs> thing about the entire episode is them using a mass tragedy for political gain. It's a really weird thing in a lot of Japanese media that they're incredibly cynical and jaded and distrustful of their governments and yet do nothing about it. Yes, yes. Like, they all go, oh, even about their current government, oh, they're all, like, useless, slimy, corrupt bastards who'll throw us all under the bus for any reason. But that's how it always is, so I guess that's just politics. I seem to recall something, and this I'm going to have to edit this out of the po- podcast when it's wrong, that Japan has, like, a really low political engagement rate. Like, pe- I don't know if they have to vote or not, but, like, people just don't care. Yeah, no, that's, that's true. It's definitely, like, they all just hate them and don't bother because they think there's no point, which is grim. But they're not, not wrong, but grim. So the, the, the gist of it is that Seelay say that they can't let the refugees back and the captain responds, you don't have to live like a refugee. Um, Seelay. Yeah, they're all like, wow, that's really fucked. But uh, what can we do? Earth is ruled by a military <laughs> Yep, yep. Seelay uh, just tell them to act as bait and drag the aliens away. The captain and Lisa leave. The captain says, don't you want to talk to your dad? And Lisa says, father! Fuck that guy. Oh, yeah, so you know how Roy Fokker already had some, like, super sketchy uh, 
sketchy politics in that he appeared as a blonde guy in a grey uniform. Yep. Who oh, yep. Yeah. So he was fighting on the side of the unification movement. So he not only fought in a grey uniform as a fighter ace for the Luftwaffe. Sorry, I mean not that. <laughs> he also was fighting on the side of the military junta. So mm. Let me tell you, Roy, if you think of Germany, do you think Germany should be a unified Germany? Or do you think it should be like distinct parts like Czechoslovakia and Austria? It's, it's, it's us. It's actual Nazi jokes now. Uh, uh, well, look, we're not the one who put the blonde, like, military junta supporter in our show. Um, so, this episode is bad already, as I've now remembered. So, basically, the gist is that the parents won't let Minmay go back because she's just a kid and she's also a girl. And the reason that I say because she's a girl... Oh, and they also want her to marry someone and run the restaurant. And uh, yeah, Yes, that too. And the reason I say because she's a girl, because Lynn Kyle, a guy, comes along and changes their mind because he's a guy and not a girl. Then they literally repeatedly asked uh, Rick for his opinion in spite of them just meeting him for the first time and he refuses to comment because he's a shitbag. Uh, Minmay gets really excited that Kyle has saved him, uh, saved her rather, and Rick gets frumpy about it. And then they're in the plane back and this is where we find out that, yeah, uh, Lynn Minmay wants to bone down with a cousin. Literally the line is, you don't have any girlfriends even though you've been travelling so much? Oh, well, it's good if you don't because I'd be jealous. <laughs> oh, God, yeah. And she's like... He's got, like, this, like, ripped chest and, like, this T-shirt down, like, I am Ingoyo Montoya. <laughs> you killed my family. Oh, his outfit. What is his outfit? <laughs> so he wears flat... Okay, so here's the outfit, because I know basically none of our audience actually watch the show. So, picture in your mind a character straight out of Scooby-Doo to start yep. with, because for some reason he was drawn by the Hanna-Barbera art team and not the people who draw every other character. Yep. He's got... A like, big hair that goes down into like a 70s power mullet oh, that's black. Oh, yeah. He's wearing flared blue jeans oh, yeah. that aren't really jeans so much as the color of jeans, but they're just fabric pants, so like those actual disco pants. <laughs> he's got another, he's got a blue shirt on top that is a really deep V-neck. Yep. Like down to like past Naval. his, past his uh, rib cage, yeah. <laughs> With crisscross blue fabric oh. across it. <laughs> And a purple vest over the top of that. <laughs> this is, oh, it's so good. It's so good. It's like, it's like I imagine what the ultimate warrior would wear if he went out for a date or something. Take the intercontinental belt back. Take it back to parts I know. Load the spaceship with the rocket fuel. It would be a bit much for a Scooby-Doo guy. <laughs> he's going to pull off, he's going to pull his, his mask off and it's going to be the mayor all along. Um, yeah, it's just it's so bad, man. On the on the plane, on the top secret military plane, Lisa opens a letter from his from her dad. He says that he's worried about her and is working on getting her reassigned because it's too dangerous for a woman. And if you paid attention at all, the VO guy is like a guy doing an impersonation of his dad. If that <laughs> yeah. makes any sense, like oh, the way yeah. that you and I would make fun of our fathers talking is the way this guy's doing his VO lines. You know how you put that like gruff but also vaguely confused voice on? It's yeah, that. yep, yep. And then, and yeah, he's literally saying, "Hey, I know we just doomed seventy thousand people to piss around on a spacecraft for the rest of their lives, but don't worry, through backseat corruption, I'll get you out. <laughs> so it's fine." Yeah. Then our good friend the narrator tells us that the trip was a bitter one because. Her father sent everyone back into space to face an uncertain future. That's the end of the episode. That episode sucked. The episode was bad. It was, it was bad. You remembered it being good. 
because recording this podcast is fun, but now that you've watched it... It was... It, I think it was fun to laugh at, but now when I think about the content of it, it was bad, and it also has also the more bad, terrible sexual politics, and maybe actual politics as well. So, I honestly couldn't tell you about the cousin thing. Is it racist? Oh, because... So, it's very... We probably we haven't actually covered this, but Lin Min May is very obviously Chinese, and her parents run a Chinese restaurant because they literally couldn't think of Chinese people doing anything other than running a restaurant. You know, her aunt and uncle run a restaurant that she works at, and her parents apparently also run a restaurant. And yeah, so it's and I mean, if you want to go further, like when they go to meet her parents, Rick's like, "Oh, we're heading into Chinatown," and she's like, "Of course, silly, that's where my parents live." So it's like, it's called out. Yeah. And I had this uncomfortable moment where her parents are like, you can't go back and be an entertainer. And it's kind of like, she's some kind of Chinese pleasure girl or something. Oh yeah. It's the line where they say, you're singing for men on a warship. Yeah. And it's like, oh, let's. And you know what? As of us recording a podcast, let's not touch that with a 10 foot no, pole. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. That episode, uh, episode was bad. Episode was capital B bad. Did not like it. And let's move on to episode 16. It gets worse. So imagine, if you will, <laughs> that you've just watched an a episode of a, child, a child's TV show where you have a bunch of familiar characters. And then imagine if you watched another episode where somebody had been told what those characters looked like but didn't actually know themselves and just kind of made <laughs> it up. And so there's just these... It's like a Mexican... You know how like there's like a Mexican television version of Breaking Bad? This yep. is like the Mexican television version of of um, of Robotech because the characters all look kind of different to what they're used to. Yeah, so this episode has a lot of animation in it um, and clearly did not have the budget for that animation. No, and it's weird because a lot of the animation is like smooth and there's lots of frames, but it just looks garbage. Yeah, so... This is the B team. Th- yeah, this is, this is the B team. It'd actually be fascinating to find out what actual animation house did this. We'll have to look into that. So I would love to know the history, but I also can't be bothered to look. <laughs> we begin on the bridge, and the bridge crew is upset that they have to fly away. The captain says that they're complaining and it's not helping, but he appreciates their concern because he's a good, good manager. And then uh, my notes read: First off, who are these people? They look like extras from a Scooby Doo episode. So they don't. Yeah, the bridge crew. I think there actually are a couple of bridge crew members who just sort of appear out of nowhere in this episode, like that woman with the um the curly hair who global speaks to later oh yeah never seen them before <laughs> maybe we have we're just really really horrible so kyle well you know they don't have lines <laughs> so this is my favorite part kyle returns to his mother and his mother literally goes super saiyan the camera zooms in and like all those white lines zoom in on her face Vegeta, what does the scouter say about his power level it's over nine thousand what nine thousand we're also literally expected to care about an emotional scene about a character we just met and were instructed to hate. And then uh, his mother is like weirdly sexually attracted to him. It's like did you? Yeah. It's like everyone, also, everyone is sexually attracted to Lynn Kyle. It's really weird. Everyone's sitting there like crying that he's returned. Like we met him last episode, and Rick Hunter looks straight down the barrel of the camera. With this fucking what the hell is going on face <laughs> that is absolutely outstanding. Oh, God, yes. <laughs> Fuck. God, he just has, like, no clue about families and reunions and happiness, I think. Uh, also... Well, it's just like, oh, my God, this guy is the worst. Who wrote him in? Also, like, you know how, like, 
It's like you're introducing a new character, right? And it's just like, what is an easy point of tension that you can add? Oh, a, a son who does not get on with his father because of his life choices, and that they just go straight into it instead of his dad being happy to see him. He's like, I'm not happy to see him because my son's a pacifist, but he's always my son. And it's just like, and yeah, he cuts away and he goes and he tears <laughs> up off like where his son can't see him. He goes, oh, and it's like, how are we supposed to care about any of these care. people? I met you five minutes ago, literally five minutes ago. In the context of him supposed to be a foil for the protagonist who, yes, okay, admittedly, we also hate, but... <laughs> yeah, it's... Oh, my God, it's so bad. So, um, we cut to the spies, and the spies are staring at, like, those those demonstration uh, food items that you have in Japanese and Chinese restaurants. Like, this is what the food looks like when yeah, you're Yeah, so right. this is where we find out that the, um, the spies all work for Vice <laughs> and are going to Japan for the first time, and they think it's very exotic, and they get confused by the plastic food. Yes, yeah, and uh, so basically, it's it's kind, it's it's as they say, as Justin McElroy says, this scene is humor adjacent. It's not funny, but it's not unfunny because they go, "We got to go order some food. Who's going to do the ordering? I will." And then one of them just charges in at the plastic screen and smashes it head and headbutts it. it and starts trying to eat the plastic food. It's it's pretty dumb. It's- the whole thing smacks of uh, assistant writer goes up and said, huh, yesterday I saw some dumb Americans <laughs> who were confused by the plastic food. Aliens are aliens. Aliens, you know? huh? And they went, oh, you know what? We need some time in the script. Put it and in. So It'll be funny. The gist right? of it is is that like the, the proprietor comes out and is like, what are you doing? You can't eat that. You must really be fucked up if you try and eat that food. How about I give you some real food? And they all run in and it's like s- step one of them being won over by uh, the kindness of human beings. Yeah, it's... As you said, it's humor adjacent. It's it's just not funny. The joke doesn't land. Of which, trust me, we know <laughs> a lot about. Waiting for the scene to end. <laughs> you're just sitting there waiting for the scene to end, yep. and then the next scene. But comes this up. is actually interesting. This is the first uh, like camera move in the show, I think, because you see them walk inside the building, and then the camera like pans up the road, and you see the the bridge crew and Max come around the corner. It's like the only camera move in this entire entire show so far. Which is surprising because camera moves are a go-to in not bothering to spend any money on animation. Huh. Well, there you go. Um, oh, yeah. If you go back and watch an episode of Pokemon and you'll realize no one ever it's moves. It's just the camera's moving around them or something? The camera moves, people's mouths flap, and if they're walking, their characters bob up and down and you can't see their oh, legs. Oh, wow. I've never noticed that. Yeah. Uh, you could literally make an entire episode of Pokemon using only Microsoft PowerPoint and it wouldn't even be. You know, and that's an excellent tie-in because this episode, Ricky is going to run afoul. Of Team Rocket. Nice. <laughs> uh, that joke probably would have landed better if we got to the point and I explained it. Uh, it's okay. We'll just we'll just do a call we'll do the- in like ten minutes when we get there. Um, so uh, where are we? The bridge crew turn. Bridge crew and Max turn up to Min May's uncle's place. Uh, Min- Rick starts whinging because he's whinging, whinging because he's a giant whinger. Lisa sees Carl and is instantly reminded of Carl Ryber from the episode Bye Bye Mars earlier on. Anyone else remember that? This this whole episode, Lisa just... I think uh, if you're watching, imagine at this point, Lisa just had like three really bad nights sleep and she's just like beside herself and her brain doesn't work and that's the only way to explain any of her actions. Yeah. Well, so this is just reinforcing that Kyle Ryber is literally the best at everything and everyone wants to sleep with him. This is just like the biggest Nancy Sue. Kyle. Kyle Lynn. What a fuck. Yeah. <sighs> Lynn Kyle. And so uh, then there's another... Actually, there's another camera move here. The, uh, the mayor happens to be there, and the mayor says, even if you don't like the military, camera zooms in on Kyle. The ladies are lovely. Yeah, and it's just like, oh, 
He, he, the man just totally fucks this guy over because he literally goes up to a table full of people in <laughs> uniform and goes, hey, everyone, here's a guy who hates people in the military. Yeah. It, Introduce oh, yourselves. It's, it's so and they bad. all just rag on him for two minutes. And so Kyle's like talking about how the military's bad. And then everyone starts ganging up on him. And then Minmay's like, instead of arguing with my hot cousin, how about we watch some TV? So she turns on the TV and they start playing a Minmay song, which I believe is a new Minmay song. It's a new Minmay song. Thank, Thank Christ. Christ. <laughs> Time to be a star. It's not that one. It's also not My Boyfriend is a Pilot. Rip. It's just some other 40, 40s uh, show tune. Show tune. It's, it's like the slow song that the girl sings when she's really in love with the guy or something. But mercifully... Uh, mercifully, Macross City News cuts in and they say, there's just been a press conference and the survivors can't leave the ship. Uh-oh. It's all that stuff we just talked about where they can't get off. So everyone gets super mad. And so, yeah, there's like a bunch of like... You see a bunch of like citizens complaining about it, like random people. And there's even a, a brief shot of a show MVP, the original MVP, Jason, from the first episode. Oh, yeah, I remember him. Yeah. <laughs> Honest. <laughs> Enemy spy, I believe is his line. Oh, right. Yeah, the, the young kid. Um, so yeah, here's, but here's the, the sole highlight for me in this episode is that one of the guys starts really mouthing off and it turns out he's like a Brooklyn guy and he's like, hey, oh, right. looks like we got us some military types. Hey, what do you mean? Hey, you're making us prisoners over here. Hey, how you doing? We like convicts. Hey, now we're going to take matters into our own hands. Hey, no disrespect. If you're from Brooklyn, I sincerely <laughs> apologize for the conduct of my com- But that is literally how the guy sounds. It's incredible. Now, what do you mean? How can anyone be expected to be grateful? Um, it's probably the same voice actor who does Global. Yeah, it might be one of those things that you put on a ridiculous accent because um, it, you, to try and hide your voice. I'm trying to do a Russian accent and also I have forgotten how to pause for sentences. I am a very good voice Boy, actor. And people somehow give me money for this. <laughs> Sorry. Lisa tries to leave. Uh, a citizen tries to stop her, and then there's a brawl. Kyle literally does nothing, and then they go. No, no. So uh, Max, yep. who, as we know, is a quietly spoken and very attractive badass who stumbled into the wrong anime. <laughs> yeah. uh, he like throws. The- Maybe it was Rick who does it, but he beats the shit out of a bunch of people. It's really cool. Rick or he either like throws this guy through the air. And Kyle absentmindedly punches him as he sails past. <laughs> and they all go, whoa, who is this guy? And then he does some shit disco moves and fights some people. And they're like, wow, this guy's amazing. And Max is like, I've never seen moves like this. <laughs> what? 9,000? And the whole time I'm thinking, isn't this guy the guy who literally said, I don't have a problem in the military, I hate all fighting, like five seconds yeah, ago? Yeah, it's like, I hate all kinds of violence, but also I know the way of the silent flower shining fist. I've spent years <laughs> of my life training in disco kung fu because, <laughs> as we all know, every kung fu, every Chinese man knows kung fu. <laughs> this show isn't racist. And then the fight ends, Max says to him, wow, for a guy who doesn't like fighting, you sure know how to fight. And Kyle just says something dismissive like it had yes, to be done. Says, so the show doesn't explain no, it at And then all. there's a, a bit of a mathematician's joke there. Did you pick it up? Pick that up? No. I think Max says something like, wow, is your cousin 
kung fu or just crazy? And then Rick is like, yes. Oh. <laughs> it's, yeah. it's something like that. <laughs> yeah, that's right. He goes, wow, is this guy for real or am I just crazy? And Rick goes, if you ask me, yes. <laughs> that's actually... That's, that's, oh, that's pretty so good. good, actually. Yeah. Oh, my God. And then, so this is the first time that um, in this show where there's, like, part one and a part two. Uh, normally, the episodes are, like, contigu- continuous. They will flow through. And there'll be, like, a, yeah. there's, like, one ad break right in the middle. And it will normally, like, uh, like it'll be in the middle of a scene transition. And it would, like, make sense. A character will go, let's go inside that building. And then, the, the like, the, the episode will end. Sorry, the the scene will end and it'll go to an air break. It'll come back and they'll be inside the building. And if that makes sense, it's like continuous. Yeah. In this episode, that's the first half. We go back to the, go to an air break and then we come back. Time has elapsed because now everybody is at their jobs now. Everyone's off doing something yep. else and then the enemies are attacking. It's like another... So the, the riot that started in the restaurant dissipated because the pacifist beat the shit out of everybody on behalf of the military. God, this character is so fucking. <laughs> yep, Christ. yep. And uh, from memory, as a child, he becomes somewhat of a Jackie Chan action star, I believe. Well, yeah, as we all know, all Chinese men uh, have a hots for their cousins and do kung fu, according to the people who made this show. So, just great. Um, so, we cut to... It's just, you know, it's... As an adult, I'm like, yes, yes, the bad guys are attacking. So, the bad guys start to attack. The people on Earth are like, we better fire some rockets. And then, you know, pew, 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 fighting. And the experienced uh, Robotech people are, but conventional weapons don't work on the Zentradi! <laughs> Only Robotech! <laughs> um, Chiron, the main Manron, is leading the attack. They scramble Rick's squadron amidst a hail of fire, and Rick starts whining that they have to shoot down. It's really good, though. I've got, I've got to cover it. That, you know how, so obviously, Chiron's boss gets mad yep. again, and someone comes in and tells her, uh, Chiron's done again. And she's like, for fuck's sake. But she has this line where she goes, that is all. And you know how they have that weird echoey yep. effect? So it cuts in and she goes like, that is all. There's no, I clearly have no idea what he's talking about. And it sounds great. I don't know why I brought that up. I just thought it sounded cool. If Put the clip in, then I won't sound like an idiot. Now, what do you mean? Um, uh, so Rick says, we have to shoot down 10,000, 20,000 or 2 million. And then Lisa gets weak at the knees? Lisa starts freaking the fuck out because at when they by the time um, Rick's squadron launches, like they've just got crushed. Like they've taken horrible losses. It's not actually clear why they're suddenly losing yep. so hard because they usually yep. do all right, but they're losing pretty hard. And Lisa freaks out because Rick's panicking. Everyone's getting killed. Yeah. Everyone's getting killed. Yeah. Oh man, do you ever play that uh, arcade no. game? House oh yes, I have played it. The really bad English. Oh, oh um, that's. I'm going to have to find that sound. That, that sound truck. Oh, You're welcome. Put that in. Uh, editor's note, please do not Google House of Dead, everyone getting killed. You will not like the results. So my favorite kind of mission briefing is, I don't know if you know this, is the one where your superior officer tells you exactly what you're doing just before you enter combat so that the audience at home knows what you're doing. Yeah, well, you know, it's, maybe it's a reminder. So, so Karen yells, what, impossible? And then uh, Myra turns up and she says... And she's told by her boss, she's not to fight the enemy, only to foil Chiron's plan. And in my, one of my other favorite lines, she goes, what's that? I guess my radio is out. And then she just starts blasting people. I love it. Cool. It's just like, oh, it turns out she's the second Chiron. Now we have two Chirons. Yeah, it's like, it's funny because their only job in a dramatic sense is to be evil villains, but they're my favorite characters in the entire show. Yeah, well, you know, 
I prefer a one-dimensional bad guy to a zero-dimensional foil, and there are so many zero-dimensional foils in this show. Pretty much. So Azonia starts berating Chiron, and Chiron says, I barely started doing anything. I didn't even touch him. He punched me first. Yeah, basically. <laughs> and then he orders his troops back, but then he says, not before you collect your souvenir. Wink, wink. At which point I was like, I don't know what's going on. Am I supposed <laughs> yeah. to know what's going on? We're not supposed to know what's going on. And then uh, and I was exactly the same. And then the Zentradi start launching what is like one of their giant battleships as a suicide charge. I noticed they didn't use any other terminology involving suicide charges with the airplanes and to uh, carry ships. Yeah, no, I, I'm tr- I remember hearing that and thinking back to the um, SDF Macross. Do, do, you want, do they use that term? I think they might use the term kamikaze, but I'm not sure. So then Lisa gets ready to do the punchy robot thing where, like, the robot lifts up and punches the aircraft carrier, which she did in a previous episode. Yeah, apparently that, like, thrown together at the last second tricky plan is now standard operating procedure. Yep. And so there's, like, a little bit of, like, I guess it's almost like action B-roll where you see, like, their guys shooting people. Um, And then they start counting down the punchy robot thing. Like, all right, Lisa, prepare to punch the robot. Five, four, three, two, one. And then Lisa's oh, what? like... Oh, who, me? Yeah, Lisa's literally asleep. And then she's like, oh, no. And then she just orders it at the last second. And she mistimes it. And instead of, like, punching the, the giant spaceship in the face, she punches it through the neck. And the, the, the robot arm flies up through the neck and out the other side. And then she fires the missiles. So instead of going inside the ship, they come out a little bit. Yeah, and, and they and they just fly out into into like space, as in like you know, the, the, the sky, the sky. And one of them, wouldn't you know, just happens to hit our good old friend Dick Hunter. And, and, and Rick calls over the radio and he says, "You're tearing me apart, Lisa." This <laughs> <laughs> is like, I did not hit him. I did not. I did not. <laughs> oh. <laughs> <laughs> been waiting a long time. Oh, for that for, I can't believe we forgot. All- <laughs> I've been waiting for a long time to bust that out. Mayday, mayday, I'm hit. Oh, hi, Mark. Oh dear. And then so um, Miria calls up Chiron and says, "Your plan was less than perfect. If for any more less perfect, you'd be dead." Which I thought was a kind of funny. Oh, I love this. Negative. I love this. Is such a fucking power move. So obviously, <laughs> it gets called by a superior officer. Normal thing to do would, of course, chew him out for disobeying orders and failing. And instead, she just calls him up and makes fun of him for fucking up. Yeah, and just great. mocks him. It's like, oh, this, this is great. That's how you do it. They're my favorite characters. So then uh, the captain tells Lisa that she did a good job and then she just starts crying. Um, yep. We immediately smash cut to her in her room crying, thinking about pacifism and then like replaying the sound of Rick getting shot in her head. My favorite is, so the ep- that's basically it for the episode. And the narrator says, you know, Rick, who has been injured in a Zentradi attack, and it smash cuts to Lisa's face. <laughs> Proportioning blame. Yep. Oh, yeah. So do the rest of the, the post episode. Uh, well, so summary. basically the end of the episode is Rick is in the ocean. A helicopter flies over, finds him. He's drowned. He's actually drowned. He's dead because he's lying on the surface of the water with his face half submerged. So he's dead. He would 100% be dead. He'd be dead. Apparently he's... Yeah, it's, it's fine. And they're like, oh, oh, hi, Mark. <laughs> oh, hi. <laughs> nice doggy. So they pick him up. An ambulance takes him to the hospital. And you see, like, this cart go into the emergency room. And the light flicks on in the OR. And he's going under the knife. And they, the, the narrator says that uh, he's going to go into a... Um, 
he goes into a coma and the next episode is called Phantasms where he explores his relationship with Min Mei and his developing relationship with Lisa and it's like, are you trying to tell me to not watch the next episode? Well, it's funny. So I remember Phantasm being absolutely simultaneously awesome but really frustrating as a child. So I'm really excited to rewatch this. And then the Whereas- episode... I'm starting to wonder about my involvement in this podcast project because <laughs> I'm going to have to watch this shit again. <laughs> well, well, um, episode 19. So we're going to watch 17 Phantasm and then episode 18. Those are both, I remember them being good. Episode 19 is like the cornerstone, the touchstone of the entire show, like the best episode. So we're about to hit the actual high point soon. So yeah, it's be exciting. And, but there are 36 episodes. Well, 36 good episodes, I think. And that's not even before we start the second series. Oh, wait, are we doing that? Well, I mean, we haven't. I mean, I, I don't know. I don't know. I've never. I, yeah, I don't know. We'll, we'll have to discuss. Well, I guess uh, before we wrap it up, I guess it's time for emails. And this email oh, comes yeah. in direct from Nick in Sydney. No relation. Dear sirs, I can't help but notice that the theme to Robo, uh, Zentradi Sports Center is in fact the NFL on Fox theme. Do you think I'm an idiot? I pay attention to these things. I'm actually laughing at you, you idiots, you fucked idiots. I hate you. Kind regards, Nick. Hey, I know that guy. <laughs> If you have any other emails, you can email us at myboyfriendpodcast at gmail.com. And I think that will do us for this week. This was um, more fun. It, like Sometimes I laugh that these episodes are longer to listen to the podcast than actually watch the show, but I think it was more fun doing this podcast than actually watching the episodes. A hundred percent. That whole second episode, I was just sitting there waiting for it to be over. Uh, yes. Well, we'll be back uh, very shortly with uh, two more episodes. So everybody stay safe. You going to say goodbye? Bye. Bye. I'm not going to say goodbye. I'm doing a lot. <laughs> I didn't know that. Okay. How did you not know that? Oh, oh my god! Why is uh, this a Tinder adventure? That oh, that's let's 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 not go into that. All right, are you ready to begin? I'm ready.